Nothing says rock star like blowing your knee out and still showing up every week to play, boy. Give it up for party. The truth is he asked for a week off and we just said no. So I'll be there for you. Man, I love that song. That, that was the jam back in the day, fellas. Listen, if, if you're under about 25, 30 years old, Man, that was the get the girl song back in the day. That was like the slow dance. When I grew up, you went to the school dance, and nobody danced until the slow song hit. And then I don't know that you would call it dancing, but you got to be up against the girl, so you went up and you just, you know. Except for that one dude. There was always one dude at every dance that danced. But man, I'll be there for you. That was the jam. It, it reminds me that sometimes we forget that that we're there, be there for each other. It, it reminds me sometimes that in our relationship with God that we forget that we serve a God, capital G, that is there for us. No matter what we go through, no matter what we're going through, no matter what we've been through, we serve a God who is there for us. The Bible says this in Deuteronomy 31. It says, be strong, be courageous, do not be afraid, do not be terrified of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That's good news today. In our walk with God, we tend to walk away from God, but God never walks away from us. In our walk with God, even when we don't walk away from God, there becomes a tendency sometimes to just forget how good God is. We forget that everything we have is because of God. The fact that we get up in the morning is because of God. The fact that when we mess up and we screw up, and yet we get that second chance and that fifth chance and that hundredth chance, it's because of God. We forget when we go through the darkest days of our life, whether we lose someone or we're in financial straits or whatever it is, he's still God and he's still good. I tell people all the time, if he's only God in the good times, he ain't much of a God. But we get used to God. He's not a God that we can physically see with our eyes, though we can see him in creation and see him in movements and see him through our kids and see him through other people. He's not a God that we audibly hear his voice. And so sometimes we begin to lose the luster of just how amazing it is that God loves us so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross for our sins. I, I like to equate it to God has that new car smell at first. Remember when you first get a new car? Now there's exceptions to rules. There's people who never get over what God's done to them. There's people like my wife that the car can be 10 years old and she treats it just like it's brand new and you are not going to touch the door handle, get a smudge on it, do anything without the wrath of Christine. But for most of us, we start out when we get a new car. We're like, no one's ever going to drink in this car. Kids are never going to eat in this car. I'm never going to leave junk in this car. Because it's got that new car smell. After about two months, you're running behind one day, and you bend the rules this one time. 
The next thing you know, the car is just the trash bin. Maybe I'm just confessing myself here. Christine's like, your car's nasty, that's why I have a truck. Trucks aren't supposed to be clean. Before that, I had a Jeep. She said, I understand Jeeps are not supposed to be clean, but they're not supposed to be so dirty that stuff flies out the top when you're driving down the road. I said, that's, that's God's way of cleaning it out. If there wasn't trash flying it out, there'd be no community service for people to do. I'm contributing to my community. But we do that with God. We get over what God's done for us. I, I don't think we get over what God has done for us because we're mad at God. I don't think we get over what God has done for us because we take God for granted. I think life just happens and we tend to forget about the goodness of God. <laughs> and we need that reminder sometimes. And today we're just going to have a reminder message, if you will. We're going to go back and I'm going to preach to you one of my favorite messages that I've ever told because it's the message that encourages me and reminds me of how good God is. I haven't taught this message. It surprised me. I haven't taught it in about three years. I used to teach it once a year at least. Someone said, I don't understand why you preach the same sermons over and over. I don't understand why we sing the same songs over and over. We watch the same shows over and over. Sometimes you just need reminders of how good God is. In a crowd like this, man, I could have people stand up all day long and you could talk about how good God has been to you. The reality is we serve a good God. He's a loving God. He's a just God. Thank God he's not a fair God. I don't want what I deserve. He's God, capital G. And he loves us so much that in the midst of the muck, in the midst of the mire, in the midst of us continually screwing up, he's just love. And we tend to get over that. People could stand up all day long. I could share with you. I can tell you story after story after story. I can tell you stories of being picked up and dropped off at the gates of hell. And been told to crawl back. And how when I couldn't crawl back, I know that I know that I know God carried me back. I can tell you stories when I wasn't worthy of anybody's love by my actions. God Loved me so much. In the midst of my darkest days, God was never more real than during that time. God's good. When I didn't know God, God knew me. Think about that for a minute. When you didn't know God, he knew you. You might have caught mommy and daddy by surprise. They might have thought they were going parking. They, they might have just been going to lover's lane to listen to some music and make out. And surprise, there you came, but you did not catch God by surprise. He formed you. And he made you. And he created you. 
and he spoke you into existence. He told Jeremiah, he said, I knew you before your mother's womb. I set you apart as a prophet to the nations. God doesn't make junk. God makes masterpieces. And we're his masterpieces. This is in Psalms that were fearfully and wonderfully made. But again, as good as God's been, we have a tendency to just forget about it. Now, don't, when things go wrong, we remember God because we blame Him. When we've lost our job, we remember God. When our marriage isn't good, we remember God. When our world's falling apart, we remember God because we're either going to God deep in prayer or we're going to God to blame him. But when things are going good, we tend to think it's all us. Look what I'm doing. <laughs> it's nothing new. I'm not beating you over the head with it. I'm guilty of it too. It happened all the way back to Israel. God's chosen people. And yet when the going got good, they would forget about God. When the economy was great and the crops was great and Israel was being blessed, they would tend to lean on their own understanding and think they were responsible for it. And they would forget that it was the reason God, that God was the reason for everything they had. So God has to come along and remind them that I'm God and there's nobody like me. That I'm God and everything you have is because of me. In Isaiah 45, God addresses this particular subject with the nation of Israel. They had forgotten the goodness of God. They had forgotten God's role in their blessing. They had forgotten God's role in their day-to-day life. And God comes along like only God can, and he reminds them of some things today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Isaiah 45. If you don't have it, don't worry about it. They'll be up on the screen. Trust me, they don't lose any power from the scripture, from the paper to the screen. His word's alive and it's vibrant. And when God tells you to do something one time, listen, you better do it. How many of you tell your kids, I only want to tell you one time? Anybody ever done that? How many of your kids know when you repeat yourself a second time, it ain't going to be good? How many of you know that if you get to that third and fourth time, there probably ain't going to be a third and fourth time because shoes are coming off and belts coming off and there's going to be hell to pay? Does that only happen in the Lamb house? Mm -hmm. In Isaiah 45, God tells Israel something, not one time, not two times, not three times. Not four times, not five times, but six times. He wanted to make sure they understood something. Look what he says, Isaiah 45, 5. He says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. He said, let me remind you of something. I'm God. You're not. All the blessings you have is because of me. I am God, and there is no other God. FYI. He comes back in verse 6 and says, I am the Lord, 
and there is no other. He said, in case you didn't hear me the first time, in the midst of your blessing, let me just remind you who I am. I'm God. Then he comes back in verse 14. He said, surely God is with you, and there is no other. There is no other God. They were guilty of setting up false gods to worship and to give praise for their blessing. You say, well, we don't do that day. Yeah, we do. We set up the false god of money, and the false god of our career, and the false god of politics, the false god of even our hobbies. Anything you're putting before God is a false god. He comes back in verse 18. He says, I am the Lord and there is no other. You think he's trying to get them to realize something? He comes back in verse 21. Is it hot in here? He says, I am. There is no God apart from me. A righteous God. I'm making sure I got underwear on in case I have to strip down. They're like short underwear, so it'll be like a bathing suit. Don't worry about it. Having heat stroke up here. He said, there is no God apart from me. He said, I'm a righteous God and a Savior. Men, you should all hope it gets to that point because every one of you, your wives will go home appreciating you a whole lot better if they saw this one, no shirt on. There is no God apart from me, a righteous God and a Savior. He says, there is none but me. God's getting a message across. He's reminding them of some things. Verse 22, the last time in this chapter, he says, for I am God, and there is no other. Israel is in the middle of prosperity, and they've walked away from remembering who God is. They've walked away from remembering that God will always be there for them. Not just in the bad times, but the good times. He says, I am God and there is no one else. And I'm just here to tell you, church, and maybe I'm only preaching to myself because you've got it all together today, but there's times you just got to be remembered how good God is. So you can remember who you are. You'll never appreciate who you are and what you have until you understand where it comes from. What God was saying here today, let me break it down for you. He said, I am God and there is none other. What he was saying in southern terms is there ain't nobody like him. There's been a lot of people come along and try to be like him. There's been a lot of people come along and make claims to be him. There's a lot of things that we worship and a lot of higher powers that we have put in that place. But I'm here to tell you today, we serve a God and there is none other. Ain't nobody like him. You say, well, that ain't proper English. Let me say it again. Ain't nobody like him. I don't need to have proper English to let you know that we serve a God today. And there is none other like him. I'm smoking what I'm selling when it comes to him. He's God in the good times and he's God in the bad times. 
He's God on the mountaintop and he's God in the valley. He's God in the daylight and he's God in the nighttime. I mean, if you go back throughout this book, we serve a God today and I'm here to tell you there ain't nobody like him. There's a lot of counterfeits out there. There's a lot of false claims out there. But at the end of the day, there is one God. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Things that are different are not the same. There's only one God. There's only one way to heaven. It ain't anything we can do to get there. We can't work our way there. We can't buy our way there. Nothing we can do but all on what he did. Ain't nobody like him. I mean, if you go through this book and you just read story after story after story, you go up to that lady in the New Testament who had an issue of blood and she just touched the hem of his robe and was healed instantly. And you went up to her and said, what do you think about him? She said, ain't nobody like him. I mean, throughout this book, story after story, as you take that adulterous woman, she's being mocked by the religious because that's what the religious do. They'll mock you in your sin. Jesus comes along and he begins to write in the dirt and says, which one of you want to throw the first stone? They all drop their stones and they walk away. You look at that adulterous woman who's been embarrassed, who's been mocked, who is broken, who's been caught in her sin. You say, what do you think about him? She say, I ain't nobody like him. I mean, you go to Silas and he's fastened to the prison walls and about midnight he starts singing praises to Jesus and the prison doors open wide and you say, Silas, what do you think about him? say ain't nobody like him sometimes we just need a reminder of who we are and who God is we're small he's big I mean you go out to Peter and he's walking on the water he takes his eyes off Jesus he begins to sink Jesus grabs him because Jesus will grab you always before you sink and you say, Peter, <laughs> you almost sank, sucker. That's what I do anyway. I'm going to make fun of him. What do you think about him? He's going to be a man, ain't nobody like him. I mean, you go up to that side of the mountain and you see that man that is so demon-possessed that when Jesus cast out the demons from him, the demons fled into 2,000 pigs who jumped into the ocean and killed themselves. And you see that man walking down Main Street, bam, holding his wife's hands and his kids falling behind him. You remembered that he was crazy just a couple hours ago. And you said, hey, what do you think about him? He looks over to his wife and smiles. He looks over at his kids who he thought he'd never have a relationship with again. And in his best southern drawl, he says, ain't nobody like him. I mean, we could go on and on and on all day, so we might as well, because I'm feeling really good right now. <laughs> we could go to Mary and Martha and say, hey, your brother was dead. 
I ain't talking about he was spiritually dead. I'm talking about he's stinking dead. And Jesus come along and raised him from the dead. And now he's back. They say ain't nobody like him. I mean, the disciples are fishing at night. The storm is raging. They think they're going to capsize. And they look up and here comes Jesus walking on the water. Walking on the water. Hey, boys, what do you think about him? Ain't nobody like him. Stephen's being stoned to death, stoned with rocks. Let me clarify that, Action Church. Not stoned to death like many of you would think. They're throwing rocks at him and they're killing him and he looks up and the heavens open. And the last words out of his mouth, translated into southern, would be, ain't nobody like him. I got to wrap this up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, man, they're in a fiery furnace. King looks in there, there's not three, there's four. Hey, why ain't you guys burning up? Point to the fourth guy, ain't nobody like him. Daniel, they throw him in the lion's den. They look over the edge and the lion's just curled up in his lap. He's petting it. What? Ain't nobody like him. I mean, if you flip through this book, what I'm trying to tell you today is we serve a good God who's always there for us. And sometimes you just need a reminder because here's the reality. Life gets crazy. Life gets hectic. Life gets gets busy. Work is hard. Marriage is hard. Raising kids is hard. Paying bills is hard. Dealing with sickness is hard. Living in this crazy time that we live in is hard. And sometimes we just forget how good God is. And in the midst of the craziness, I should have preached on hell today. It's so hot up in here. Listen, in the midst of all of it, you got to step back, breathe. And say, ain't nobody like him. I like it when Moses, he came to Moses and said, I want you. And Moses said, who, who, who should I say sent me? And he said, you tell him I am that I am. It's one of my favorite verses in all the scripture because what God is saying is, I am what you need whenever you need it. Ain't nobody like me. I mean, if you go through this book, you'll see that he's called Papa. He's called Lord. He's called the Mighty One. He's called the Creator, the Deliverer, the Holy One, the I Am, Yahweh, the Provider, Peace. Do I need to go on? Righteousness, Judge, King, Lawgiver, Redeemer, Shepherd. Somebody needs to say amen today. He's the way, the truth, the life. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Hey! Ain't nobody like him. And my question for you today is, have you gotten over what he did for you? Because that's a dangerous thing. Not only does he let them know in verse 45 that there ain't nobody like him. He shows some ways. <coughs> there ain't nobody like him. I could be dying right now. My wife tells me to shut up. I just want everyone to know 
that if I die today, she has not been caring and has not been sweet, and she keeps saying, I have the man flu. Okay? You need to repent because ain't nobody like him. He lays it out for us. He said, I'll be there for you because, man, he scouts the trail. Man, I love this. He scouts the trail. Ain't nobody like him. Listen to me today, church. Before you got up this morning, God was already ahead of you scouting the trail. He was ahead of you clearing the path. He was ahead of you making a way. He was creating a path you could follow. What a God we serve. He's a God worth singing about, a God worth shouting about, a God worth sharing about, a God worth serving today. Ain't nobody like him. He scouts the trail. You ain't been anywhere today. He wasn't yesterday. I don't know how I'm going to get through what I'm going through, Gary. I don't either, but I know that God knows because he's already been there. He's a trailblazer. He goes before so we can come after. He's the trailblazer. Anybody remember, was it, was it was his name Crocodile Hunter, Steve Irwin? Man, I love me some Steve Irwin, man. He had like a blade and he'd just go down the path and just, just clearing a path. You know why he was clearing a path? So everybody behind didn't have to clear the path. Look what he says in Isaiah 45, verse 2. He says, I will go before you, and I will level the mountains. I will break down the gates of bronze, and I will cut through the bars of iron. Man, can you look back over your life and see everywhere you've been and everything you've done and realize that you're there because God brought you there? You didn't know how it was going to turn out, but God did. The day I gave my life to Christ, I wasn't even looking to meet Christ. I'm not going to share the story. Apparently, I shared it last week, and apparently, Bub and my wife make fun of me every time I share the story. But I've told you the story, and plus, I'm too sick. I don't think I could do the voice anyway. But God radically changed my life that day. I thought I was going to church for this reason. And God had been ahead of me and said, no, you're going for this reason. I'm scouting the trail. Last thing on my mind was surrendering my life to Christ. But when a five-foot-nothing Cherokee Indian hangs your feet over the pits of hell, tells you you're going to fry like bacon, listen, you evaluate some things. He preached heaven hot. He's heaven sweet and hell hot. God, God rocked my world that day. I gave my life to Christ and I've never gotten over it. People ask me all the time, they say, how do you know you were called to be a pastor? It's the only thing I've ever done in my life and never got over. I start new things all the time. And I'm good for three or four years and I get over it. I've never got over Jesus. Because I know how worthless I'd be without Jesus. I know how worthless I am with Jesus. I couldn't imagine without Jesus. In the depths of my sin, 
I knew who Jesus was, and I knew that he was paving a way and scouting the trail to get me out of it. Ain't nobody like him. That's good news today. I'll never forget this last year when everything, I think I've shared the story with you, everything hit the fan. We went to freak out mode for about three days. Went to dinner one with some friends of ours. Verbally vomited on them all my anxiety. And that was it. We were over it. We never stressed the rest of the year. You say, how do you know? Because I needed my reality check that God was scouting the trail. It's easy to have faith whenever things going good. When I don't know what's around the bend, it's good to know God's been up ahead of me. You might not get this from looking at me now, but when I first married Christine, I got very into trail running. That's just how I roll. I get into stuff for small periods of time. But when I get into it, I'm consumed with it. I research it, and I'm all about it, and I do it to the point that I burn out on it, actually. And I used to run this trail, and I hadn't been to that trail in a while. I recently went back to that trail, and the trail was overgrown. No one had been using the trail. No one had been going down the trail. And I had to kind of move some things out of the way. I had to clear the path. Because down the road, someone else might go down that trail. And they need to be able to get through. And that's what God does for us. When we can't see through the thicket, he's up ahead. Hey, come on. People say, I'm waiting for God to move. No, 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 no. God's moving. He's waiting for you to move. The problem is so many of y'all are trying to get God on your trail instead of getting on the trail God's own. Scouting the trail. Jesus is ahead of your life swinging. That's good news today. Some of you out there, and you, you, you don't know where your marriage is headed. That's scary. Been there, done that. Got all the scars to prove it. God knows. Some of you don't know how you're going to pay your next bills. Been there. Done that. Got the scars to prove it. God knows. Some of you don't know what's going to happen a month from now. I understand that. But God's scouting the trail. You don't got to see the stop at the top of the stairwell to take the first step. Sometimes all God lets you see is the next step. Problem with you is you don't have faith. You want to see 10 steps ahead. You want to see 20 steps ahead. And God said, I ain't got those cleared out yet. But they'll be cleared out before you get there. You know why? Because ain't nobody like him. He scouts the trail. You wouldn't be where you are today if God hadn't been there yesterday. Can I tell you something? I love where I am. And there were some steep mountains to get there. And there were some cliffs along the way. 
And there was times I slipped and was hanging by one finger. But ain't nobody like him. He was scouting the trail where I could walk the path. Here, I don't understand why bad things happen to good people. I don't either. I don't understand why this week I have to bury a man who I just saw a week ago. And just, for whatever reason, he doesn't wake up. I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't have wisdom behind it. But here's what I do know. God knows. He scouts the trail. I don't understand why some people get certain sicknesses and some people don't. He scouts the trail. He's in control. He's leading the way. We complicate this thing called Christianity. Let me make it to you real simple. He leads... You follow. It's easy. You following doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. But it means it's always going to turn out the way God intends for it to turn out. The problem is we want to follow and lead on our own. He scouts the trail. Ain't nobody like him. Hey, he supplies the treasure. He supplies the treasure. Ain't nobody like him. I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, so you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. He says, I'll be there for you. Ain't nobody like him. He says, I'll go to places you didn't know existed to give you things you never dreamed you could have. Let me say that again. He goes, I'll take you to places you didn't know existed to give you things you never dreamed you could have. He says, I'll take you through hell to give you that marriage you never thought was possible. He said, I'll make you lose everything. To make sure you get your finances in order so you can have everything. He supplies the treasury. Listen to me, when God calls you to do something, he's already written a check. He's simply waiting on you to pick it up. I know people out there that have made bold moves recently. You don't know how financially it's going to happen. I don't either. But God does. He supplies the treasure. He says, I'm going to go to hidden places. I'm going to help you. He says, I'm going to give you hidden treasures that you didn't even know existed. Someone's going to come along and they're going to help you in a way that you never knew. You didn't even know they were real people. Huh. Can I tell you something today? You're sitting in one of those places. You're sitting in a miracle She's ugly. She's beat up. She needs to be cleaned up this Saturday. She ain't the prettiest church in town. But this building's a miracle. I could tell you story after story after story of how God has supplied to keep this place running. 
I can tell you story of meeting in the parking lot for six months because we couldn't even get a CO to meet inside the building. And God always provided. I can tell you story after story of calling the landlord and being like, I, I don't know that we can pay rent this month. And going to the P.O. box and there'll be an envelope full of cash in there. I can tell you that we just went through the craziest time in the history of the church, period. And not that we have a lot, but we actually got more money in the bank than we've ever had in 10 years. Ain't that crazy how that happens? God's used COVID for us to start broadcasting sermons online. People started giving from New York, Wisconsin, Montana, Brazil. How, how do I go over in Brazil? I'm international, baby. God provides. I can't tell you how many times we didn't know how we were going to pay the bills early on in our marriage. And God provided. Because he supplies the treasury. God goes into the place you expect the least and provides in ways that you never imagined. The problem is most of you will never experience that because you're too busy trying to do it on your own instead of depending on faith and for him to supply the treasure. I remember when we made the decision for her to quit working. God supplied the treasure. I can remember when COVID hit and she lost her income. God supplied the treasure. I can remember when cars have broke down and different things have happened. God supplies the treasure. There's been times Satan's beat me up over this place and I'm like, why do I do this? It's too much work for not enough gratitude. Way too stressful. God comes along and reminds us over and over and over. Every time I say, man, there's no way we can meet this goal to feed people for Thanksgiving, somebody comes along, writes a check. Do you know that more people give to our Thanksgiving, give Kent and the Bird Outreach that don't go to church than do go to church? Movers and shakers in this community that if I told you your names, you'd be shocked believe in what goes on here. And while they think we're about back whatever crazy, they know the community's better because we're here. Man. I got a tendency when things are going bad, man, and money's tight or I'm making a big financial decision or something's not growing like I think it ought to grow for the devil to set up in my ear. Anybody ever do that or am only me? Stop this time. He whispers in my ear. Screwed up this time. When are you going to tell Christine you're about to lose everything? And it's funny, though. When it comes around and all works itself out, I can't find him anywhere. I look for him. 
Hey! Where are you at now? The bills are paid. Yet again, you lost. But he ain't nowhere to be found. Ain't it funny how you have some people in your life like that, just when everything's going bad, they're just there. Then they go away. Man, the devil loves to beat us up when we're down. But we serve a God and there ain't nobody like him. Over and over and over. He says, I'll be there for you. He supplies the treasury. He's a good God. A loving God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He scouts the trail. He supplies the treasury. Listen to me and we're done. I'm getting out of here. We are getting out of here early today. How about that? He specified, did someone just call me a liar? Man. He specifies the traveler. Put that verse up, Xander. I need somebody with like a preacher's voice. Someone's loud. David Westrick, stand up with that loud voice. Read that verse for me. Stop, stop, stop. I, I did, read that part again. You can sit down now. I summon you by name. He scouts the trail. Ain't nobody like him. He supplies the treasure. Ain't nobody like him. He specifies the traveler. Ain't nobody like him. When you didn't know him, he was calling you by name. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. God has a calling on your life. God has a mission that you were created for. And only you can fulfill that purpose. He summoned you by name. Someone told me the other day, I said, don't you think anybody could pastor that church? I said, no. I didn't mean that arrogantly. I said, no. Why not? I said, because God called me to do it. Listen, I, I was so thankful last week. Man, it was so nice to have Terry back. Terry did a great job. I am a Terry fan. But let me make this clear. He ain't Phil May. God called Phil by name to lead worship here. Have I ever told you that story? I'm going to tell it to you again. In my previous life, Phil was a very arrogant person. And he led worship for me a couple of times. And then got mad and didn't lead worship for me anymore. Of course, he was completely in the wrong and I was completely in the right. It came time to start this church and we couldn't find anybody to lead worship. And we're desperate. And the evils of Facebook 
said, people you may know, Philip May. I said, crap. That's the dude who kicked the microphone off the stage. I'm not asking him to come lead worship. So I ignored it. For about three weeks, we were so desperate for someone to lead worship. I finally sent him a message. Hey, I don't know if you remember me. Of course, you remember me. No, you don't remember me. Starting a new church and would love for you to come lead worship. This was his response. I'll do it, but I only do it my way. Don't answer to anybody. I was desperate. Okay. He's been here ever since. You know why? Because he was summoned by name. I, I don't mean this in a mean way towards Phil. It's about one of the only churches he could lead worship. But the only churches I could pastor, so I'm not. This church was designed for him to lead worship. Can you imagine him showing up at your grandmother's church, looking like Ronnie Van Zant, dancing, sticking his leg up on the thing, doing his whatever it is he does? The man can sing the phone book. You know why? Because he was summoned by name here. So many of you were summoned by name here. We've had people have misunderstandings and want to leave the church. Sometimes they leave and I let them. But then there's some I know that are called here. I'll never forget Doug and Kathy had a misunderstanding one time. I don't even remember what it was about now. When I called Doug, I said, we need to talk about something? Well, I like to talk about it. We talked about it. So I think there's been a misunderstanding I knew God had called them to this church. I don't say that about everyone. But I knew God had called them here. Like grown adults, we had a conversation. Now I can't get rid of them. Called us. I I don't understand why God sends me crazy people like Yvonne. Because he specifies the traveler. He said, you need a Yankee in your life that wants to run a food pantry. That your goal is to make her mad every single week. That's what he says. I don't know. He specifies the traveler. We prayed specifically that God would send certain people that were ahead of us on their journeys. And God sends people along that become mentors in my life. He specifies the traveler. God doesn't make mistakes. Some of you are just stuck with us. And I'm sorry. Some of you are here and you might not be called here yet. I get that. Sometimes God moves you. But some of you, man, like you're just stuck. Like Scott, party. He's stuck. He can't go nowhere else. I'm not going to let him. I'm going to pick on him every week. I'm going to make fun of him. I'm going to let him drive me crazy. And he's going to show up week after week after week. He's going to get mad at me for saying this. Look back there on that soundboard at Barry. Barry thought about six months ago he could take a break. God gave him a break, and now he's back. Run his sound. 
because he specifies the traveler. I got to be honest with you. I've tried to leave this place. Have I not? Tried to leave. I've begged God to let me leave and move. But he won't. He specifies a traveler. Stuck here. I'm cool with that. Ain't nobody like him. And sometimes you just need the reminder he'll be there for you no matter what. He scouts the trail. Ain't nobody like him. He supplies the treasury. Ain't nobody like him. Oh, and I like that last one. He specifies the traveler. I have called you by name. Ain't nobody like him. 